This is the Recruiting Simplified Podcast, where college basketball coaches give parents all the information that they need to help their child reach their goals of playing at the next level. The recruiting process can be difficult at times and it can be overwhelming. So the goal of this podcast is to help parents get the right information from the people who make the decisions. You can find more information at AngelaRLewis.com or follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Coach A. Lewis. Listen to what this coach had to say. Welcome to another episode of the Recruiting Simplified podcast. This season, we're getting all coaches' perspectives. Today, we have Coach Taylor Postel from Columbia College, and he's going to chat with us about his, a little bit about himself and about his university, and we're going to deep dive into the questions y'all asked from the survey. Coach Postel, thank you for joining me today. Tell everyone when you fell in love with basketball. Man, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, great opportunity, and, and we always love talking recruiting, and just in general, I just love talking basketball, so this was fun. I'm excited for our chance to chat today. You know, I, I fell in love with basketball, oh man, early, you know, early. I was a huge Jordan fan, so I was that kid that used to uh, videotape Chicago Bulls games and try to go out and replicate Jordan. Not, I wasn't very successful doing it, but I tried my best, um, you know, but uh, grew up a, a small town in Minnesota, and actually I was part of a wrestling family. I was one of the few that actually played basketball, um, but uh but it was one of those things where the the strategy and the concepts of basketball came really easy to me and something that I just I fell in love with the X's and O's part of of the game now especially on the defensive end and and uh, and we just we went from there you know I I had my career and and I got it I actually got into coaching right away um, and so I kind of have an, an a good perspective a lot of times because uh, as a as someone whose career ended after high school, um, I, I uh, I've really had to learn the game more so than to you know get opportunities through my playing ability, and so uh, that's been that's been an interesting challenge for me, but something that that uh, has has proved to to actually work in my favor a little bit. Talk more about that. Talk more about how that's worked in your favor and how you've been able to coach. And, and win at a pretty, pretty good level. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's someone where I had to study so much harder than everyone else because, uh, and so when I, when I was watching the game, when I was studying the game early in my, in my life, early in my playing career, really early in my coaching career, it was, I need to just be a sponge for every coach I can be uh, or that I was around. And so I asked a lot of questions early in my career. I went to every coaching clinic I could go to. Um, I surrounded myself with, with people that I knew were, were well-respected legends in the field. Uh, I actually, truth be told, I, I became obsessed with learning people's paths. And so, and it wasn't just coaches. It was how other leaders uh, went from where they were to where they ended up. And, and what did they do to find themselves successful? Because 
so much of coaching and and being successful isn't just showing up and being naturally really good. It's can you continue to put yourself in good positions to be successful? And and so when I studied um, that obsession with studying how leaders, how CEOs rose in their companies, how coaches went from being JUCO to D3 to now they're in coaching in the Final Four, how coaches volunteered for seven years before getting their first crack as a manager, and now they're coaching, you know, in the title game, how that shaped them. And, and, and that was something that I thought really, really helped me early in my career and, and something that, um, that a lot of, I, I, a lot of coaches asked me really quickly, like I took over at Columbia at 27 years old. Um, I just turned 30 now. I'm in my third season as head coach. And a lot of coaches asked me, well, what's the secret to getting into coaching? And I always just say, um, I'm not really sure, you know, because it is, it's so different for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of breaks. It takes a lot of, it, honestly, a lot of heartache, uh, uh, a lot of good days, a lot of bad days. Um, but, but it's one of those where at the end of the day, you have to continue to ask yourself, am I putting myself in a good position? Um, and if you can keep answering that question, yes, uh, then that's all you can ask for. And then you have to hope someone gives you a chance at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you say that. I talked to another coach and he said that, he and his wife were teachers and they met with their financial advisor and, the, and they told the financial advisor, um, so I'm quitting my teaching job and I'm going to go be in a <laughs> and I'm going to make $10,000 a year. And the financial advisor was like, oh, do you think that's a good idea? He was like, yeah, what I want to do. He said, so the advisor says, what's your wife going to do? And he said, oh, she's not going to work. We don't know where she's going to find a job. <laughs> but they did. Honestly. Well, and, and my and my wife, uh, when I started on this journey, we were still um, um, dating, and uh, we actually we we made the decision to live um, seven hours apart for two years. We met once a once a month in the middle, and uh, we made it work. You know, and, and that's some of that sacrifice that that kind of happens. It's you know, it, it, like everything, it takes risk. Uh, and, uh, and I, I just believe that I was headed down the right path and, and, uh, you know, and, and like I said, I had someone, uh, take a chance on me and, and it worked, you know, I believed in that coach and they believed in me. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, I owe that coach everything. And, and then I owe, I owe my, my wife everything now for, for not for, you know, honestly pushing me out the door. She said, you got to go we'll make it work. You know, I'll make it work on my end. We'll make it work on your end. And, and, uh, and now we have a little family. And so, uh, it's something that you just, you just kind of breathe a sigh of relief sometimes. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's about that grind and knowing yeah. you're following the passion that that's on your heart and right. it's not beautiful every day, but it's what, it's what you do to get to where you want to be. I love that. So clearly yeah. you love the game. Talk about your coaching style and how you share your love of the game with your players. Well, I think um, I think my coaching style. I, I like to believe I'm a, I'm a player's coach. Um, I'm very relationship oriented. Um, we want to make sure that our players are being successful in all phases of their life, not just on the floor, um, but also in the classroom, but also away from school. You know, these are young ladies that we're trying to help grow into 
a professional. Uh, and there's a lot to becoming a professional more so than just, oh, I can make a lot of jump shots, you know, on, on Saturday afternoons. And so um, my coach at time, I'm a really enthusiastic guy. I like to believe that um, the team that works hardest every night is going to win most of the time. And so we work, we strive to work really, really hard and be really, really enthusiastic. And so um, I know how precious the game is and I know how short careers can be. And so it's one of those things where we promote to our kids every day. Let's show up. Let's be enthusiastic. Let's work real hard. Uh, and if you do those three things and you have a good uh, attitude about it, uh, I, I assure you, you're going to be very successful. You put yourself in a position. You definitely put yourself in position to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's just it too. You know, and I think, I think, uh, and this is what's so interesting about recruiting um, is, is man, so many people don't understand that playing college basketball is really hard. And so you have, you have to be really enthusiastic and you have to have a great attitude uh, to be successful. Um, and so I, I think that's one thing that we really promote to our kids quite often is, is, is you started playing basketball for a reason because you loved it in fourth grade. You have to find a way to maintain that love for from age nine to age 22, 23, sometimes longer. Um, and so what are ways that you are doing that to maintain that love? Yeah. Yep. Keeping that love and keeping that same intensity level is really key. You know, you, right. you mentioned that playing college basketball is hard and Columbia College is NAIA. You're the American Midwest yep. Conference. You're in one of the top conferences in the country. You all are one of the top teams in the country. Talk about what your year of training and practicing games is like some people do some people don't know exactly what um the amount of work a level of work or a type of work that happens at at different levels yeah i think um i think that's a great question and you're exactly right here at columbia we have high expectations uh we want to be really good we feel like we can be really good um we do play in a tough league last year in the regular season we were 27 and 3 and finished second um, and so I would say 99% of the time, if a college team goes 27 and three, they'll win the league. Uh, but that wasn't the case last year. And so it just shows that, that you got to be ready to go every single night. Um, one of the things that I think people, people struggle with a lot and, and I hear a lot and it's, it's kind of, a, it's one of those things that I think just kind of goes hand in hand with, with me saying college basketball is hard is I hear quite often players say, well, I'm just not sure I want to play D1. I think I want to go to a small school. Mm -hmm. uh, and, what they're, and what they're setting themselves up for is failure there because they think, oh, I'm going to go to a school at Columbia because it's going to be much easier. And that's not the case at all. You know, I mean, it's – now, we don't, we don't maybe go year-round like a lot of D1s do, or we don't we – um, we maybe don't have the resources to – to go, you know, through all the things that D1 players go through. But on the same side, uh, we start our preseason in August. Uh, we start first practice middle of September, and our season ends the end of March. Yeah. And so, you know, when you, when you think of a normal high school kid and they start, well, they might start running before November, but for the most part, most of them are playing volleyball or, you know, maybe lifting and shots up on their own, but that's not the same as a high-end intensity workout program um 
and then they start practicing in November. Well, when they're normally starting in November, practice number one, which here in Missouri was this past Monday, well, a lot of college teams already have two, three games in at that point. And so, you, you know, you think you're, you're normal, you're used to going November through February, maybe early March. Now I'm telling you, you're going to go August through the end of March, you know, that's seven, eight months. And, and every day, well, there's a high level of expectation because everyone's really good um, at this level. And everyone's really good at every level, D3, uh, NAI, JUCO. You play those because you're really good. You're you were likely the best player on your high school team, uh, and so the 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 player on my team that plays the least amount of minutes um, averaged a double double in high school. Wow. And and so I, I think that goes a lot into the college is hard, uh, and so you need to be mentally and physically ready. Now we'll help you get there, and we don't expect freshmen to come in and just light the world on fire. Obviously we want them to, but I, I do feel like that's one of those where kids kind of struggle with that right away because they say, oh, we're gonna go to a smaller school because it's gonna be easier. Uh, and that's really the wrong mindset. Yeah, the thing is you have to work no matter where you are. And mm -hmm. everyone is trying to win championships, whether it's a conference title, a national title, a regional title, you're fighting for championships. So you're gonna have to do the shell drill. You're going to have to rebound, you know, right. you have to get back and transition defense, regardless of the level. Exactly. Exactly right. Yep. Exactly right. So talk about, so I'm going to put this out here early. Yeah. Parents and players listening. I hear all the time, we want a scholarship. We want scholarships. We're playing for scholarships. What is the financial package at Columbia and some NAIA schools? So NAI, um, similar to D2 and D3, um, really more NAI and D2 are very similar, is um, schools are allowed to use up to eight scholarships. Um, now, not every school has eight scholarships um, uh, to use. And so uh, it is really school by school. And so that is one thing that people do need to understand is I know we know at the D1 level, um, you hit 15 full rides, I believe it's still 15. Um, you know, at D2, I believe it's 10. NAI is eight. Um, and so we're very similar to D2 in that sense. However, like D2, not every school gets 10, not every school gets eight. Uh, it is really based school to school. Columbia, we, we are, um, we're pretty close to, to that range. Um, and so, we do, we do have, we do have athletic money to go with academic money. So we can package both academic and athletic money. Um, obviously, FAFSA becomes a really big deal for us as well. We have our kids, or we would like our kids to fill out FAFSA because um, that is extra Pell money, grant money, loans that they can use. Um, you know, everyone does want a scholarship for obvious reasons. You know, I wanted a scholarship and I wasn't, and I wasn't, a, you know, an athlete. Um, whether you're an athlete or not, you want to, you want help playing for school. And, and um, and I'm still one of those people that's, that believes that going to college is a big deal. Um, I don't I don't really care if you are an, uh, uh, an athlete, uh, a, a non-athlete. Uh, if you have an opportunity to go to college, I mean, congratulations. That's big time. Um, we know in the world today that uh, that that is that is still a really critical piece to becoming a professional. Um, and honestly, frankly, growing up 
is is really important during that time. Um, we call 18-year-olds adults, but I'm not sure I feel like I was actually an adult until I was maybe in my mid-20s. Uh, and I, I'd say most people, most adults agree with me at that point that, yeah, we maybe weren't ready for real life at 18 years old. Um, and so I think college is a critical part of that. So uh, when it comes to scholarships, I think you got to be realistic. Um, and, and college coaches, really, you know, we need to be realistic with, um, with what, what we can offer and who and who we're offering and what type of player we're looking at. Um, and then the players need to be realistic too. I, I hear quite regularly, um, well, to come play for you, uh, coach, you know, I, I think I would need, you know, a half a scholarship or two-thirds of a scholarship. And I'm scratching my head because I think I, I view you more as uh, I'll give you, you know, two dollars to $3,000 to be part of our team. I that doesn't mean I don't think you're a good player because if I offer you money, I think you're good. Um, but this is what I kind of have at, at this moment. And, and this is, this is how we have to build our team. And so, um, you know, it's my job to build a roster, a full roster. Uh, and, and I think a lot of players uh, really need to understand that. And, and it isn't, it isn't that I don't like you. It isn't that I don't think you're you're not a fantastic person or a fantastic player. It comes down to um, what I need and what you can do and how that meshes with roster development. Yeah, I get that. And, and it's a sticky, not sticky, it is an inexact science when it comes yeah. to offering scholarship monies at you know, NAI Division II level because so much is contingent upon their academics and how well they do academically and potentially other money from other places. And so I always tell kids, do really well academically. Like, is Well, yeah, oh, that's a big deal. I'll tell you what, I mean, um, the academic side of it, people don't understand, uh, but that is the academic scholarships are a big deal. And, it, and if so if you can take care of business in the classroom, you're way more marketable to me. Um, I mean, for us, our highest academic here at Columbia, that scholarship you could get is 28. Um, and so if you get a 28 ACT, uh, I, my, my, you know, alert, alert, alert. We're okay. We're going to look at you. Okay. You got a 28 ACT. Perfect. We already know that this starts you with your highest academic. Exactly. Now we already feel that we could put together a good package for you, um, for you to come here and be successful. But, but that's where I talk about quite often. And, and, and don't get me wrong, Angela. I I, I have players that I think are 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 capable of playing professionally overseas. Uh, maybe once in a great while, professional here in the U.S., but probably not very often. Maybe one in a you know blue moon, but overseas, sure. But we tell kids all the time, you know, if you're going to come to Columbia, we expect you to be really good on the floor. But the the likelihood is you're going to be professional in something besides basketball. And so we need you to be really good in the classroom. We need you really, really focused in that area so you can prepare yourself to be professional in something else. Last year, my five seniors won 110 games. After they graduated, one went to medical school, one went to law school, two became teachers immediately, and now one of them's on staff with me. And so I think that, that shows that, okay, that – there you go. You know, you, you need to be professional in something besides basketball. They won 110 games. Um, but look at but look at what they're actually doing with their life at age 23. Well, what I think is really special, Taylor, about what you've been able to accomplish is that 
your kids are competing for championships, they're going to always remember those moments. And I talk to parents who have daughters and sons who, you know, want to play at D2, D3, even D1, but you, you have no chance of winning a championship, like at all, because of yeah. maybe the league you're in, just the level of tough, whatever, you know, it's hard to win championships. And so there's some players who want to go to schools where they know that they can win. And look, having been someone who coached college basketball, it's way more fun when you're winning. Like, <laughs> you're right. For parents who are listening, if you have a daughter or son who's interested in playing, if you just consider all of your options and don't get so well wow. the level, because trust me, they will enjoy their experience when they're winning. Well, I think that's something too. I, we talk about that quite often, and you hit kind of my recruiting, one of my recruiting pitches right there. And 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 obviously, this is no slight to anyone. This is this everyone has a recruiting pitch, um, but but this is one that we go to is is you know we feel like if you come to Columbia, you have a great chance to compete for a conference title. Um, you know, we're trying to break through on the national level. We're there. We're just we haven't broke through yet. And so I I think. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're super close to being one of those teams that people are like, yeah, our perennial national title contenders. Um, and so we continue, we continue to talk about that is, um, is your dream to play D1 or is your dream to come compete for titles? Um, because, you know, if you're, if you go to number nine in the Sun Belt, uh, I mean, you, you might get some more gear, you might get to travel a little bit more, um, but you might not win much, you know, and, and to some kids, that's perfectly fine because they want that lifestyle. Um, but, but if you are more interested in coming in and winning titles, and I apologize to the number 19 in Sunbelt, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, but, but I think we offer a really good opportunity um, to do that. And, and so I, I promote to, that to people a lot is, is that really think about what it is that you want out of your college experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just look at D1, D2, and NAI, um, you look at the national tournament, right? Mm-hmm. At D1, 64 teams make it. At D2, 32 make it. At NAI, 64 make it starting next year, right? That's 160 teams between those three leagues, or those three uh, levels. 160 out of what 1200 teams so you have a 10 percent chance of making a national tournament every year 10 percent um now some schools maybe have a little bit better odds based on um like we would assume uconn's got a little bit better chance than 10 percent to make the national tournament right um but that is something that i think more people need to consider if that is something they are looking for um now that's not end all be all for a lot of people and that's perfectly fine um, I've recruited kids who said to me, you know what, coach, I've always wanted a school that has a really good football team. Perfect. I don't, we don't have football at Columbia. So now I know, you know, that, that kid was a really good player, has had a really good college career. I've continued to follow her, and she is a stud. But she wanted us to go to school with football. That was what was important to her. And so I think making a list of what's really important is, is, is something kids need to do, parents need to do. Um, cause, um, because if, if championships is number one, okay, then you got to look at schools that are perennially making the national tournament at any level, or is football important or is, 
a certain program what's more important most important to you like if you say all right coach Posale, i really want to be a marine biologist i'm going to say to you okay here's a list of schools that you should look at that aren't columbia college because i don't have marine biology and i don't know if if it would be very wise for you to come to columbia um and then leave and say well dang now what am i going to do now i have to transfer because you know and do something different and so i think i think there's so much of that that a lot of parents struggle with you know you look at levels well that's that's a a, uh, a dangerous game because that might not be what's actually most important now if you write number one is D1 or number one is D2 or number one is D3. I've always wanted to play at a D3 like Wash U. Perfect. Then that's your goal. Um, and make that your goal. Um, if, you're, if your goal is that I want to play at a Nike school, I want to play at an Under Armour school, I love how Adidas feels when I play in it. Okay. You know, then, then those are things that you need to think about. And so um, there's much more to the equation than just, I think I'm a D1 player. Well, I'm going to tell you, last last night we played a game. My starting point guard had 22 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. I'm pretty sure she's a D1 player, um, and I'm sure she's feeling pretty good about her her game last night in a major victory on the road, you know? Coach, hold on. Will you give those stats again? Because it sounds like she almost had a triple-double, if I'm not mistaken. She was one assist away from a triple-double last night. In game number one of the regular season, Right, 22 points, 10 boards, nine assists last night. Um, I had three other girls in double figures, including a true freshman, true freshman that had 11 points and eight boards in her freshman debut on the road versus a top 25 team. You know, and so um, I would guess that that kid probably is good enough to play at a great D2, heck, even maybe a mid-major D1. Uh, but I sir, she's feeling pretty good about her about herself right now. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You answered a lot of questions that I didn't ask already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rambler. If you, if you notice, I'm a chat. I'm, I'm a chatty guy. You know, I, I like to just, I get going and, and I'm really passionate about this stuff because um, I do think the transfer, the transfer thing is, is a crazy deal right now. And I got to tell you, this is, um, I, and I'm going to answer another question for you right here. Cause I, I hear this quite a bit and I, it breaks my heart is picking the right school um, and how valuable that is and how it's way more important than people realize. And I'm gonna give you an example. Here's a true story for you. Um, I offered a kid a full ride out of college, or out of high school two years ago. Um, and, and she picked a, a school which was a, a, a fantastic school. Great pick, I completely understood why she selected the school. Um, ended up not being a good fit after, at the end of the day reached back out to me, um, really interested in coming to play for me. And I said, here's what I can offer you right now. And I could offer her one fifth scholarship. Wow. And that was what I had. That's what I could offer. But she, so in two years, she went from a full ride offer to a fifth offer. And, and it wasn't that I didn't like her anymore or anything. I love that kid. I would do anything to have her on my roster now, but that's the name of the game in in a lot of these situations and so a lot of people don't understand that they think okay i pick my school if it doesn't work i'm gonna pick another school usually you're picking your second school on a much reduced scholarship rate yeah yeah that's so true i mean because 
there are other options that happen. For yeah, right. I mean, you, you uh, we ha we had to get someone, you know, so someone else took the uh, that and uh, that initial offer. Um, and now here's what's still available, you know, and so I, I think that that's something that um, a lot of kids uh, don't completely understand. We, we, I just want kids and we all want kids. Every college coach, I'll tell you, you could ask every college coach and I guarantee they all would say, and I, and I truly believe they believe we want kids to just pick the right fit for them. Um, our feelings aren't going to get hurt. Uh, I get, I get told no a lot by a lot of people in my life, not just recruits. Um, but, but admin, admin, I get told no by, you know, by, by a million things. And so, um, we're used to it. And so I, I think it's one of those things where, um, I, I think kids need to be a little bit more selfish in the process and say, this school is a perfect fit for me. And here is why it's a perfect fit for me. Um, and, and I, I, I think that that would really help. Um, if we got rid of a lot of the agendas and a lot of the politics, you know, that I think you and I both know and a lot of colleges know still happen. And, uh, and I think that, that that would really help kids feel a lot better about their choices. You know, you know, what are, you're right, doing what's best for you. And sometimes parents will say, well, they just don't know what they should be thinking about. So what are some questions that parents should be asking that you don't hear them asking enough? Yes. Oh, great question. I love answering this because I do think, um, I just think in general, a lot of people are unprepared. Uh, I think a lot of people make a lot of assumptions about what college basketball is like, what your, what kids are capable of doing. And, and so um, here's some things that I, that I really promote people. Number one, I think it's so critical to go watch games um, because I hear all the time and to, not parents' fault, not, and I don't even know if I blame AAU coaches that much, but I hear, or high school coaches, I hear a lot, this kid would be a perfect fit for you. And then I see them play, and I think to myself, have you seen us play? Because this kid does nothing. She's, she is a four player that sits on the block, but my four players are three-point shooters. Mm -hmm. uh, my four player was number two in the country last year in three-point shooting. So that's not what I'm looking for in my four players. And so I, I think a lot of times, you know, I, I urge kids to go watch games. And I, and I think uh, um, that's number one is, is think of the different levels, go to the different and, and see the atmosphere, see the feel, watch those games, number one, get an idea. I think parents should ask coaches, um, what is realistic in terms of what do you see that my, my player's timeline as? I don't think that's an inappropriate question. Um, I like when parent, parents ask, um, do, what, do you, what do you honestly coach see as, as the timeline for my parents? And I'll say, hey, at Columbia, it's really hard to play as a freshman, but if she comes in and does this, this, and this, that will increase her chances. Doesn't mean she's going to get minutes, but that will increase her chances of getting minutes. Um, but if you do that and you buy your time as a, as a freshman, I'll tell you what, as a sophomore, you're probably going to be in a better position. And as a junior and as a senior, all of a sudden you're saying, man, it was worth the wait. And, and, I, and so I think that's important. I do think it's valuable to know who's on the roster and what type of players you're, you're continuing to bring in. I think, it, I think parents should be thinking about um, what 
what my kids' track record or what this coach's track record is for their players after college. Um, as I said earlier, we're very proud of the seniors we've had in our program so far. We've had five seniors and they've all gone on and done something. But what is the track record? Is are the players are their players transferring before they're getting to their senior year? Is there a reason they're transferring? Now transfers happen. Um, but what is the reason that the, tra the transfer occurred? You know, I think that those are things that parents should look at. Um, and then in general, I, I, I think it just comes down to a feel, right? Um, I think it comes down to, can, do you trust that coach? Do you feel that coach is going to keep your players safe? Um, safety should and should be number one in, in every parent's mind. Is the school safe? Does our coach keep our players safe? Um, I, I think those are some of the things that, that parents should really think about um, when in the process more so than the bright lights. You know, everyone can do a photo shoot on a visit, um, but are you picking a school because they had the best photo shoot or are you picking a school because you feel like location and um, post-grad plans and everything match what I truly want for my daughter? Yeah, what's, what opportunities a young woman will have after, what's the feel, the location, the anticipated major, those are some really key. If we were to, you know, I, I try to encourage parents to prioritize, prioritize the um, list of things that are important, right? So right. whether they were Nike or Adidas isn't as important as location and distance from home. You know, if I know that my- Well, I think that location, I think the location bit's a big deal. I think it's a bigger deal than people think. Um, not not even necessarily relative to distance from home, though. In young ladies, I think it's been it's been shown that um, they 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 really do typically tend to stay closer to home. We see young men uh, maybe travel a little bit more um, with their college choices, um, and that's not the case for everyone. But I, I it just seems to be more of a trend. For example, you look at my roster right now and wasn't really by design with kind of how it played out as is that I have one player from Illinois and I have 14 from Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just been now Missouri players have been very successful the last couple of years in, in what I've been looking for. Um, and so it so happened to be that's, that's who we've picked up. Um, but, but on the more side, it's what can the city that you live in do to help progress your life as well. Um, yes, so yes. for example, <laughs> say what? I need you to say that again, because that is yes. really important. What can the city that you live in and choose to live in help do to progress your life? Uh, and I, I think that's critical because like Columbia, Missouri, for example, um, is, has got a, a wonderful hospital systems. We have two major hospitals, uh, and then we have every orthopedic and every surgeon that you can think of um, in the Midwest here in Columbia. And so anytime I have someone that comes in that's thinking medical field, I just jump up and down and go crazy because I think, where else are you going to live that's better than this? Yeah. After college, because Columbia is a big time, is, is there, there, the heart of Columbia College is science we're really good science school uh, medical school and so for us it's one of those things where um, you have that and then guess what you can stay right here in town so you chose the location that is already setting you up for success 
Um, and I, I think um, living in a certain town where there's a lot of resources, and, and I'm putting a big plug in for Columbia, Missouri right now, there's a lot of resources with three different colleges here in town um, and a blend of minds and opportunities. And, and, and for, so for me, I always say, look at that. Now, if, if you're saying, man, I've always wanted to get into athletics, well, okay, let's look at it. What's a city that's got four or five professional sports teams? Yeah. You know, being a Minnesota person, I think, you know, living in Minneapolis is pretty cool because I'm guaranteeing if you really want to get into sport management, that's a great opportunity for you right there to, to get an internship with an athletics team. Um, and so I think that that's important. I also think while thinking about that, parents and players need to have have a broad sense of I want to do I'm interested in this field however need to have a more detailed thought process of here are some of the things I want to do in the field um, because everyone can say well I want to go for sport management well what does that mean because Angela you and I both know there are a thousand jobs in sport management right Absolutely. Technically, right? I'm in sport management. You're in sport management, right? And and we don't do the same. We don't necessarily do the same job. Um, we know we know someone's in charge of marketing. We know someone's in charge of stats. We know someone's in charge of PA. You know, but I'll say if you go into sport ma marketing or sports, excuse me, sports management, and you don't have any idea. Hey, guess what? The people, the vendors that sell popcorn and peanuts are also in sport management. Yeah. Okay. And so, so is that what you were looking for? Or are you wanting to be an athletic director? Um, and I, I think the medical field is the same way. I, you and I could sit on a, on a whiteboard and probably could list out 50 different jobs at a hospital. Well, you're working in the medical field. Is this what you wanted to do in the medical field? So I think that, um, that does play a, a role as well is, are what are some of the internships or what are some of the success rate of the school's yeah. department that you're looking at um, that you want to get into. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep, that makes sense. It's really taking a deep dive into seeing what's possible and what exists. Sometimes yeah. we don't know what we've been exposed to. And if you haven't been exposed to various um, industry or career fields, it's really hard, not hard, you're, you're very broad in terms of yeah. And with the changes in technology, there are opportunities that are going to exist five years from now for these high school kids oh. that don't even we haven't even thought of yet. So well, God, I don't remember the I don't remember the stat, but man, you nailed that right on the money. It was something crazy like um, ninety percent of jobs have ninety percent of jobs twenty years from now haven't been created yet, or something like that. Like I, I, that's wrong, but it was something along those lines. It was a crazy percentage of jobs that don't even exist yet. Yeah. You know, because you think about 20 years ago, there was no smartphones. You know, think about what smartphone has done for the world. Um, internet was, was kind of becoming a thing, you know, but I had dial-up internet 20 years ago. Um, and, I, and I'd say 50% of homes may didn't even have internet 20 years ago. No, no, not at all. We had that massive monitor that was like yeah, all right. pounds, and I, pounds. I, I would get yelled at every single night by mom and dad for, for clogging up the, the telephone lines because people couldn't call the house. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, how things have changed, man. Right. It's exciting. It's exciting for, for young people to know that they have a lot of opportunities. And part yeah. of just helping them see what's out there. I'm working on something about that. I'm going to put a pin in that, but I'm working on, I love working it. on um, trying to give more exposure to young people particularly those who play sports in careers around sport, because the some yeah. want to stay around the game, but just don't know what to do if you're not playing or coaching. So playing and coaching right. seems to a lot of young people to be the only two options that they're aware of, but there are so many more opportunities. So many sport. more, so many more opportunities. Yep. Um, well, I, I, have I got one, I got one more thing that I want to just add real quick. Yes, and and I can't trust this, this as enough as a as a young male, right? Mm -hmm. I think young females need to really really strive to be to find and to continue to be strong leaders. Yeah. Uh, we need more female leaders in the world, uh, and. And I think that that I, I promote that big in our program, but in general, um, it's heartbreaking to me, Angela. Uh, when I ask, I had a situation just a few weeks ago where one of our players, I they wanted to do a marketing um, for because um, it, it was a strong female leaders question, and so I asked one of my seniors to do it. And she had a hard time thinking about someone she looked up to, and and I think to me that's that's heartbreaking, and so. Um, I really, really, really want to promote that find a, a strong female leader in your life that you can really get behind. Um, and, and, and I really think uh, uh, that will continue to make a big difference in the world and in our game, honestly. Um, I, I tell kids all the time, watch more women's basketball. Uh, I, got, I got kids I'm recruiting right now, and I'll say, did you see Kelsey Plum last night? And they'll respond with, who's Kelsey Plum? Uh, and that shouldn't happen in today's game. We need that. We need to be better. And that's on coaches. That's on parents. Um, that's on the young ladies themselves is, is we need to continue to promote. Yeah, everyone can look up to LeBron James. But who's our female players that we could continue to look up to? Because they're there. Uh, we just got to do a better job of promoting them. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, that will go a long way for the continued growth of our game. Agreed. Thank you for pointing that out. You're so right. And it is essential that um, young women have people who have been, have gone the path that they, um, that they walk, gone the path that they're walking. A couple of things right. you said that. There's two things that you can share with your players. One, on Instagram, so I, as I told you before, I coached a lot of, I've coached at a number of different places and still work with players. And so I, I text them like every week, there's a bunch of young women who I um, touch base with just to see how they're doing, give them some inspiration. And one of them suggested that I just do videos on Instagram. Okay. Learning Instagram, right? So they can follow me every day. There's a tidbit, there's like a minute or so of um, something motivational or a conversation I have with the kid that I think will be useful. And Love it. The other thing, my third book that I wrote is called Post Moves. The Female Athlete's Guide to Dominate Life After College. Post moves. Okay. Yes. I wrote that book because of what you just said. A lot of young women don't have mentors who are not their coaches or their professors. And mm -hmm. so this book, 
I highlight 15 women from various backgrounds. Some of them are actually international. And all of them agree to have their contact information in the book. So all of their info is listed. And then if they read a little bit about them and they're interested, they can reach out. And then there's someone, you know, who can give them some insight because we all need mentors. We all need people to speak on our behalf and we all need references, which is something right. I didn't know in undergrad. So that's- I just wrote both those down. Look at that. I, I'm learning from you. Today, just as much as anything, I just wrote both those down, and we're gonna we're gonna get those for our team. It's a great come. Thank you. This is um. It's I'll send you I'll send you all the information offline. Awesome. But yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really passionate about making sure young women see what's possible, and then whenever I'm in Columbia, I'll come up and speak to your team. I would love to. Honestly, oh my gosh, we would love to have you. Yeah, we'll coordinate. I'm looking at, I'm, I'm gathering all of these college schedules and trying to put a master plan in place so I can go out and support young women and um, talk to them and share with them. Oh, I appreciate it. So if people want to know more about Columbia College, want to follow you all this season, how can they reach you and how can they re learn more about the program? Yeah, so I think, um, I think a, a quick way is obviously I'm, I'm big on Twitter. Um, and so my, my Twitter handle is coach um, underscore post sale. That's coach C-O-A-C-H underscore P-O-S-S-A-I-L. Um, you can follow our, our, our women's basketball account. It's, uh, oh, now I got to look real quick. C-C, um, uh, you, look at this, Angela. You put me on the spot. Hold on. Let me look. Let me look real quick. Our Twitter account for our women's basketball team is C-C Cougars. WBB, CC Cougars WBB. Um, give us a foul. Otherwise, uh, uh, find my information on our website. It's very accessible, um, and we'll get back to you right away. But, but we welcome everyone to come watch us. I think our, our, our young ladies do an incredible job. Uh, they're very gifted. They're very bright young ladies. Um, and, and we welcome everyone to come watch a game, come watch a practice. Um, just get out and, and see what see what players around the country can do and, and, uh, and what we can do. But um, yeah, we, we appreciate any sort of uh, reach out. We, we, we just love to hear from people. Thanks coach. Good luck this season. And thank you for helping me keep recruiting simplified. All right. Thank you for having me. The Recruiting Simplified podcast is produced by the Global Athlete Media Network. To find out more information about this podcast, visit AngelaRLewis.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Coach A. Lewis.